Hi, I'm Manuente Reme. That's Unam Imneritni backwards. And I played Ichib on Star Trek Voyager. You're listening to the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. Welcome, one and all, to Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, and episode number 55. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. I am so thrilled that you've all joined us and made us part of your week. Thank you so much for downloading and for listening. It's a show we truly love doing, and we absolutely could not do it without each and every one of you, so thank you so much. Joining me as he does this time every week is a man who is so inspired by my new Star Trek ink that he himself is going to become painted. Although he's thinking about getting GNDN tattooed across his forehead. We'll talk about that later. He's the goes nowhere, does nothing, Dan Davidson. Dan, welcome aboard, buddy. I don't know what that means. I just told you what it meant. <laughs> I can't drive 55, even though we are on episode Never mind. Hi, Bill. What's up? How you doing, buddy? I see that you're picking up my uh, precedent of not doing major market segues last week <laughs> and carrying it forward into 55. Great job, buddy. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. It's always fun to be here. Always an interesting uh, conversation. We got a good one lined up tonight. At, uh, at your age, it's good to be anywhere. It is good to be anywhere. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm no spring chicken. I'm no petite flower. I'll tell you that either. <laughs> we say chicken, all I can think of is beer can chicken. <laughs> we have issues. Uh, we do. So, uh, how's the week been, buddy? It's been good. It's been busy. Finally, a little warmth up here in Maine. Great weekend today. Uh, great weekend today. That makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, that's uh, it's I a once... great day this weekend. That makes no sense either. <laughs> Moving on. I once spent a day in Maine. It took the whole weekend. <laughs> yes. I actually... And recording with the window open tonight, as you can yes. see over my shoulder. Yep. First time in months. Yep. It's finally here, hopefully. Although, we see people posting pictures out in Colorado getting 13 and 14 inches of snow yesterday. And more. Oh. Um, it's, I, we feel for all of our friends out in the front range who are getting dumped on snow-wise. We, um, we love you all. We wish you were here simply because it's warmer and not snowing. Yes. Yeah. Actually, put the grill out on the patio today. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Mine is there. I, I simply have to um, ready it for springtime. Ah, yes. No, I moved mine into the garage for the winter so I can go right out to the garage and cook in the winter and moved it out today. Well, we had stuff on the grill. It was great. <laughs> thanks for having me over. Um, so, Dan, before we get into some news this week, why don't you tell our folks listening about the Trek 50 project where they can tell us about the first time they ever watched Star Trek. Sure. We want everyone out there to be part of our celebration of Star Trek's 50th anniversary. And tell us about the first time you ever watched Star Trek for our special Trek 50 project. All you have to do is leave us a message telling us how you began your Trek. The thing that unites us all as fans is our love for these stories and for these characters. And everybody's story is unique. What episode or movie was your first? What did you make? What did you like most? What made you want to keep watching? Who was with you? What made it special? And so on and so on. We're going to take all your messages and we're going to publish them as a special podcast episode for Star Trek's 50th anniversary later on this year in September. You can call us directly at 508-784-1701 and leave a voicemail or record a message right on our website and send it to us. Please remember to tell us your name, where you're calling from, and also keep your message to a maximum of three minutes. And if you want more information, go ahead and head on over to our special page we have set up at trekgeeks.com slash trek50 and get all the details. And Bill, 
right back to you. Thank you, Dan. You've now tossed it back to me, and I will take it to the goal line. <laughs> that never gets old. <laughs> I'm sure for some people it does. But... Oh, yes, like the person sitting right behind. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, in just a little bit, we're going to talk about the worst of times, as it were. The the worst movies in the Star Trek franchise. And then you and I are going to get, you know, one-on-one in the Thunderdome to come out with which one really deserves the biggest turd. I'm coming out swinging. Well, I expect nothing less. You're a fierce competitor, and I look forward to the challenge, sir. But first, we have the news from our good friends at treknews.net. You know, they've had a lot of stories on their front page this week, and we're going to talk about just a few of them. The first of which, Dan, is yet another re-release of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, but this one's a little different. Yeah, it's actually one I'm excited for. Wrath of Khan Director's Cut is finally coming to Blu-ray. Um, it's very exciting. I, I know I've talked in the past about, you know, they just re-releasing stuff as a money grab, but this one's actually got me excited. We're going to see that director's cut, most likely the version that was on ABC television back in the eighties, uh, which should include the blind as a Tiberian bat scene among others. Uh, and I also believe that there's going to be a new 30 minute documentary, the Genesis effect engineering the wrath of Khan. Midshipman, you're a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to wonder whether or not this was part of getting Nick Meyer on board for Star Trek All Access. Because he's talked about this director's edition for years. This is the one I watched for years because I taped it off of ABC television when it aired. And I cut all the commercials out by hitting the pause button. Mm-hmm. And I'm just psyched that it's finally going to be on Blu-ray. I hope the transfer is beautiful, but I just have to wonder if this is happening now because he's back in the family, as it were. Yeah, that's a good question. The thing that I would or had thought of is, is it all tied to the 50th? Anything that comes out this year can always be used as the excuse of it's the 50th. But you bring up a very good point. And uh, I wonder if we'll ever know the uh, definitive answer to that. I suspect we probably will not, and I'm okay with it, because ultimately I'm still going to buy this Blu-ray. Right, as am I. And unlike the other one, this one's actually going to be in 1080 and not 4K, so Mm -hmm. it's for the masses, which I think is great. Right, I think that's a good idea for them to do this. Dan, also appearing on treknews.net this week was the story that, yes, there is going to be a second trailer for Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. But instead of debuting... Like in theaters now, they're going to do something different? Yeah, it's a little little odd, but you actually made com- a comment earlier this week in regards to where is the next trailer. We haven't seen anything. Um, this next trailer is going to actually debut at a special fan event at Paramount, and it's going to be live stream on Facebook. Huh? Yeah, you think that they would just dump the trailer in theaters. I get that they want some pomp and circumstance around this, but why not do it now? Yeah, yeah. I I, I just hope it's a good trailer. At this point, I hope it's a good movie. <laughs> because here it's April 17th. We are three months and a couple of days away from this movie hitting theaters. Mm-hmm. Well, we do know that they just a few weeks ago had a bunch of the principal cast in to do a bunch of uh, – uh, additional shoots, and they brought in a new actress to play the president of the Federation. So they've been they've been working hard. So does that mean that there's stuff that they had to fix because it was bad, or they just wanted to add things to make it better? Who knows? It may have been some scenes that they need a different looks on. It could be yeah. all or any a combination of that. Right. But you know, I, I hate comparing Star Trek to Star Wars, but I'm about to do it, and I'm going to apologize in advance. By this phase with The Force Awakens, we had seen how many different looks? You know, at uh, least two or three. Yeah, I want to say two, but maybe three. Yep. Three months out, you know, there were significant trailers and significant information released already. And with this third Star Trek movie in the new JJ verse, we're not seeing it. And it's the 50th anniversary year, and I don't have a warm fuzzy. 
Do you think it could be possible, and we know that Paramount and CBS are different entities, but do you think it could have anything to do with the fact that a lot of the announcement lately has been in regards to the series on CBS? So they're kind of holding back and they're going to just slam us with a bunch of stuff in the coming month and a half or two? I I don't think so. But at this point, who knows? Because yeah. nobody's saying anything. I'm I'm more inclined to think it's got something to do with the turmoil going on at Paramount itself. And within some of the Redstone's own personal right. sphere. But again, that's all rampant speculation too. Nobody knows anything. And unfortunately, that means neither do the fans. Well, in that in that case, I would ask you to cease and desist on your rampant speculation. <laughs> I cease thee and I desist your face. Wow. You're welcome. Goodness gracious. Well, Dan, speaking of rumors... <laughs> um. There was a widely reported rumor this week, um, and it, Trek Movie ran with it first, or at least I should say most notably, and it's with regard to the new Star Trek for CBS All Access. Yeah, when this first came out, I was I was like, "Hey, did you see this?" and and we ran with it as well, and then it and then we started seeing a day or two later the we're not sure if, how solid this information is, but basically there was a rumor that came out that the time for the new uh, Star Trek series on CBS All Access was going to take place after Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and before The Next Generation. So that was pretty cool timeline. We also knew that it was going to be in the Prime universe and not the JJ universe. At least this is what the rumor said. Uh, A couple of other uh, things in regard to this rumor was that it was going to be a possible anthology series like American Horror Story, which really piqued my interest. Um, other than that, no real substantive details, but uh, you and I got talking about it a little bit uh, the day after this rumor came out. We did, and we want to say up front that we don't have any information beyond what everybody else has read. We published a post to our Facebook stage, a Facebook page with the Trek movie story, essentially saying, well, Trek movie has run with this. So there may be something to it at other points in this timeline with the series. Trek movie has been pretty right on with the things that they've brought Mm -hmm. to the table. And so I figured that they are more than likely not off the mark here. And, and that's still very, very possible. Nobody knows. Exactly. I am not excited by, a post undiscovered country pre TNG series. I'm really not. I'll watch it, mm-hmm. but I I want to go forward. I don't want to go backward and have more retcon. Yeah, I, I remember you mentioning that, and I I agree and disagree. Um, I don't mind the retcon aspect of it as much as I minded it with Enterprise and the time before TOS. I think this time frame, there's a lot of stuff that's it that's discussed in next generation about, about different things. Uh, for example, the first war with the Cardassians, um, Narendra three, your favorite uh, Star Trek, the next generation episode. Um, <laughs> and you know, the camp Kitter Kittimer massacre is another one that comes to mind. I think retcon in this aspect is a little bit easier to swallow than what it was with enterprise. One of the things I always had a problem with, with enterprise is that it took place before the, the original series yet the technology that they had seemed to be much better than what they had in the original series. And when you're doing retcon, that always kind of, you know, rubbed me the wrong way. This one I think could be a little bit uh, uh, more enjoyable. So you're saying that you would want something, um, after Voyager, perhaps, or more in the future, or something like that. Yeah, I. You know, some people use the phrase "the next next generation." I just want maybe some separation between the the TNG era, including Nemesis, and the future. Okay, like Starfleet will go on. We will continue to explore strange new worlds, but you know it's I, I feel like we're taking a step back in the storytelling if this is true i got to keep saying that cuz it it may not be true true that i um i just i i'm not jazzed by by that i wanted them to be bold because they were going to a platform that allowed them to be bold right and i I'm, I'm concerned that it i don't know i just i'm not getting a warm fuzzy you know what i mean <laughs> 
I do. But, uh, you know, if Lance Reddick is a captain, I bet you'll be okay with it no matter where it is. Well, that is 100% true, <laughs> although I'll still wish that they did something in the future. Yeah. Because Lance Reddick could easily be a Starship captain. Come on. And Dan, lastly, announced overnight as we record this, there is some very exciting and surprising news with regard to Star Trek Horizon, the fan film made for under 50 grand by Tommy Kraft. Yeah, this was big news. We, uh, I woke up to this, uh, this, uh, text of yours to letting me know that Tommy has announced that he is going to be doing a sequel to Star Trek Horizon. That is some big, big news. Uh, it is going to be Federation Rising. The Federation Rising Kickstarter campaign will be kicking off on April 23rd, which I believe is, uh, next Saturday, I believe. Uh, we're very excited about this because we're big fans of Horizon. We thought Tommy did a great job. Uh, we're so excited, in fact, that next week we are going to be joined by Tommy Kraft and Chief Engineer Francis Brooks himself, Ryan Weber, to give us all the latest details on maybe storyline, but definitely uh, some info about the Kickstarter. I'm going to be very interested to find out how they feel with regard to, say, Star Trek Continues and how that crowdfunding campaign has gone. Mm-hmm. If that's going to scale back some of what he wants to do, or you know, does that affect the game plan at all? I'll be very interested to find that out. Yeah, it will be very interesting, because as we know, that we, we have not seen the uh, um, uh, dollar signs that we'd like to see coming in with Star Trek Continues. And, and I'm sure that is a big concern of Tommy's is if people are getting that uh, donation doldrums, so to speak, and not wanting to contribute as much as they have in the past. Well, we will find out next week uh, when Tommy and Ryan are here and I can't wait to talk to him. It's going to be awesome. point we'd like to take a moment to ask everyone in our audience a favor yeah as you all know we've been producing this podcast now for over a year and it's been an absolutely incredible ride in addition to talking with some amazing guests we've made a lot of new friends from the folks who listen to the podcast we don't do any fundraising or crowdfunding to make trek geeks and we have no plans to do so in the future we obviously have no issues with anyone who does but Instead of asking for donations, we'd like to ask for five minutes of your time to write a review for us in iTunes. It's, uh, yeah, it's simple to do. Uh, just go to Trek Geeks in iTunes, click Ratings and Reviews, select how many stars you want to give us for your rating, and then click the Write a Review button to add your comments. That's it. And we truly want your honest review, too. No matter how many stars it is or what your comments are, We want to make this podcast better, and the best way we can do that is with your feedback. Once you submit your review, we're going to enter you into a drawing where one random review will win a $25 Amazon gift card or the equivalent in U.S. dollars in your country's Amazon store. The good news is that anyone who submitted a review in 2016 is eligible for this drawing, so no one will miss out. In the coming weeks, we'll share some of the reviews here on the podcast as well. And we truly offer our sincere thanks to you for all of your reviews. We are honored to be part of everyone's week, and we're truly grateful for every single person who downloads and listens to, tr- to Trek Geeks. For more details, please visit trekgeeks.com slash iTunes, and we can't thank you enough for your help, really. Well, Bill, uh, there's a lot of good things and good episodes in Star Trek, but we certainly have discussed in the past that we think that there are some bad episodes uh, in in the Star Trek universe. And today we're going to take a look at what we think are the bad or the worst of the Star Trek films. I only wish we had a trophy to award the worst film, you know, like a big toilet. Well... We can have people check our album cover this week, and I'm sure that they will get the idea. <laughs> because yeah. there, are, 
are some big turd Star Trek movies out there. Oh, there are some steamers. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yes, thank you. We've got a we've got a couple each uh, of what we think are the worst, and then we also have an honorable mention, so to speak. I guess what I'll do is I'll start with an honorable mention on my side, and then I'll hear what your honorable mention is. Yeah, and uh, then we'll go through some points about each one and and why we think it's one of the worst. Um, I think my honorable mention would be Star Trek Generations. Interesting. Yeah, I. The more I've seen the movie, the more I have disliked it. Over time, uh, I feel that it was kind of a weak passing of the torch, so to speak. And everybody calls this movie the passing of the torch movie from the original series to the next generation crew to handle the movies. Uh, I just felt that the story wasn't that strong. I felt that the way that Kirk died in generation was just a travesty to the franchise and to the character of Kirk. I thought it was a cheap way uh, to to get rid of of Kirk in that passing of the torch, uh, that's just me. I mean, other people may thought it was a brilliant way to do it. Um, a couple of other things that I really didn't care about it was I did not think that the Dura sisters being in the movie made any sense whatsoever. I thought it was just a way for them to bring uh, a couple of characters from the TV show into the movies for no real reason other than to bring them in. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same or if you think that there was anybody else that was brought in in that way that was just kind of a cheap, oh, hey, let's bring them in. I I, I didn't – I had no idea why they were there. They were completely unnecessary to the story. Yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this one a little later on, but I uh, agree with some of your points, and you're actually making some of my points for me for uh, a more serious charge. So okay. you, you right. continue right on there. All right, I'll 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 pick it up again then. I think the two things though that I had the biggest problem with, the the less of the problem was Data's emotion emotion chip in this movie. I yeah. thought that that whole storyline was just awful, to be honest. I thought it 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 dragged the story down, um, the malfunctioning of it, and uh, I I just can't say anything really positive about it. I did not care for it at all. I know that it had. Um, points of story in television episodes and it had issues later on uh, or talking points in other movies, like how he was able to turn off his emotion chip and first contact and this, that, and the other thing. I just didn't care for it. But the biggest thing that I did not like about Star Trek Generations was that this is the flagship of the Federation, the Enterprise D. It has been in countless battles on the TV show. It has always done great. There's never been any real damage to it, but yet a POS bird of prey is able to take it down in one shot and forces Deanna Troy to be the one we will always remember as crashing the Enterprise D on the planet's surface. It's, here's what gets – well, first off, the Klingons had the shield frequency. That's why one shot could take them down. I know, but why did they wait till the movie to do that? Because they co-opted Geordi's visor. Nope. Nope, sorry. No, they did. <laughs> I know that, but they, still. They did. <clears throat> I they, know, but the, the, we see we see we see damaged ships uh, for on DS Nine, for example, and and on Next Generation and the TV series with shields down. One torpedo is not going to take down a starship. It didn't happen in Star Trek Six. They had a torpedo go right up through the saucer section, completely rip right through it. It didn't cause them to crash. Yet two torpedoes seem to take out a bird of prey. Go figure. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> there there are a boatload of problems with Generations, and I will talk about that in a bit. But I would like to mention my honorable mention, if that's okay. Absolutely. Take over, sir. And um, originally, I wasn't going to include any of the new movies in my list, but I have to give an honorable mention to Star Trek Into Darkness. Even though wow. the movie is fun, there are just so many problems with it that it's really not that great a movie. Huh. Okay. The story is not great. It disregards pretty much everything that you know Star Trek has introduced technology-wise in the years before. Khan is a Sikh from northern <laughs> India. And I'm just going to leave gonna that at that. <laughs> and this whole idea of transwarp beaming to Kronos yeah. is absurd. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Um, there were some really good elements in it that I thought were were done really well, at least character-wise. But I thought as far as the method in which they told the story, this really left a lot to be desired. 
Wow. It's kind of the opposite of Star Trek generation, uh, yeah, Generations, where there's vast quantities of that movie that make you want to go to sleep. There is probably a little too much action in Into Darkness, quite frankly. Okay. That's surprising. That one never even crossed my mind as being one that I would include in the worst of. I know that a lot of people out on the intranets don't like it very much, but that's basically just because it's a JJ verse movie and they all hate JJ. But I never really have thought of that as being one of the worst before. I, and I want to be clear. I I didn't approach it because it was a JJ movie. That's Mm -hmm. not why it's got an honorable mention. It's just because there are things about that script that are just not great. Okay. I thought that the main reason was going to be because of, of, uh, a Benedict being con being a, uh, uh, not a Ricardo Montalban ish type person. No, because if you think about it, Ricardo Montalban was Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't a Sikh from Northern India either. Right. So whereas Montalban has given us the performance of a lifetime as Khan, it's, it's easier to accept because he originated the character, I guess, on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, that said, there are plenty of actors out there today from India who I'm sure could have nailed this part. Oh, yes. Yep. And as good as Benedict Cumberbatch is, I'm a fan. I love Sherlock. Um, he just was not con. I got to say, as I think about things in the movie, as you're talking about why it's on your list, one of the things that I don't like, and I'm I'm drawing a blank right now for the name of the starship that admiral um marcus commanded the vengeance thank you how on earth that could be a skeleton crew with a ship that big is something that was very very odd to me thinking about it how could section 31 have an entire orbital dry dock on the other side of jupiter yeah and why do they have uniforms they're section 31 (laughs) well didn't what's his name have a uh, uniform of sorts it wasn't starfleet uniform though which which what's his name uh uh and on DS9, um, the Sloan? head of Sloan, thank you. Well, yes and no. He wore like this black jacket, but that yeah. was it. There was no obvious Federation That's right. insignias, you know, or they didn't have their own ship. If True. they did, you didn't see it. That's right. That's right. Wow. Good honorable mention, man. I got to give you, you got to, okay. Thanks, buddy. Well, let's get, start to get into the meat of your list. Um, which one do you, uh, do you want to put into contention? Into content. Well, I got two that I have that I have to decide what I want to put into contention. So, well, no, um, I mean, just you know, past the honorable mention, not for the Thunderdome. Oh, okay, for the Thunder. Well, okay. Well, my next one would be uh, Star Trek Nemesis. Um, Interesting. Yeah, uh, last Next Generation movie, uh, last Prime Universe movie, pretty much when you think about it. Yeah. Um, and it was just not a good ride off into the sunset by any means. I know Tom Hardy has gotten a lot of props for his movies that he's done recently. um, And he's a good actor, but I'll tell you what I thought his portrayal of Shinzon in this movie was just God awful. I thought it was emotionless. I thought the scenes that he had emotion were just fake. And, and it was like, he was bored to be doing this movie in my mind. I just didn't think he did a good job at all. Um, Interesting. I thought, yeah, I thought the entire story um, was completely unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I didn't care for the, the, some of the things I did like were like where they were on Romulus and they showed the Romulan Senate. I thought the idea of Shinzon so easily assassinating the entire Romulan Senate and the Praetor was completely off the charts in no way that would ever happen. No matter who he had inside helping him, that would not happen i just thought that was an easy way to get the movie to pick up its pace uh at the beginning to to see what he was planning on doing but i gotta say that with all that being said the idea of this human being raised as a reman then taking over the romulan empire for all good for all intents and purposes it's just completely unbelievable you no matter the, how much power he has behind him in that in the ship that he has you mean this clone of jean-luc picard yeah. who looks uh, nothing, nothing like, like picard or sounds nothing like picard right yeah that that, that human yeah well, yeah just just to get on that side just to not not even sidetrack i just i didn't like it i couldn't stand it why was picard um, bald in the academy i've always wondered this because <laughs> he wasn't in tng right that's right 
I just didn't like it. I did like Ron Perlman, even though you didn't really know it was Ron Perlman because he had so much makeup on. I like Ron. Ron's a good guy. Um, but I will say that the thing other than Shinzon that bothered me so much about this movie was before. The yeah. whole idea of before <laughs> finding his body parts on this planet and putting them back together and him having it. And then data, it was a cheap way to kill off a major character and then bring him back. Horrible way to do that. Never saw the sun. <laughs> Sorry. I, I got to work that in obligatory in my contract. Whenever we talk about nemesis. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, not, not, not one of my favorites at all. I'm getting that. Yeah. <laughs> Toilet bowl cleaner. <laughs> yeah, really. So, um, my next one, I call it my third place because I've got a, a runner-up and a finalist, is Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, honestly. Really? And, yeah, and I understand that it's the middle act of the the trilogy, as it were, or what's what some fans view as a trilogy, starting with Wrath of Khan and then ending with The Voyage Home. But it is horrifically slow. And... It seems wholly impossible in the Star Trek universe. I'm sorry. They steal a starship with five guys, <laughs> one of whom is going crazy because he's got a Vulcan Katra in his head. And they manage to override every security protocol Starfleet has to get out of space dock and then to sabotage the Excelsior, which theoretically has transwarp drive. Um, it's just... Eh. I didn't... There were empty deaths in Star Trek Three that I thought should have meant more and didn't. Like David Marcus. Uh, yep. It, I felt no emotion whatsoever. I wanted there to be some kind of tie because, you know, uh, the fact that we you know, we found out Kirk was his father just like 10 minutes ago right. in the last movie. But, you know, William Shatner's scene where he reacts to David's death is the best scene in the movie. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, it's some of the, the best acting he's ever done. And that's not enough to save a horrifically slow movie. I'm sorry. That's, that's even more interesting to me than into darkness. Why? I love Star Trek three. I've always loved that one. Christopher Lloyd is not a great Klingon. I love him. As a Klingon, though. On the planet surface below. I think I've told the story before. I'm going to go off on a small tangent. I was at the theater and watching this for the first time, and they show crew all the time, and I'm like, God, who is this guy? He reminds me of somebody. And then he did that, ah, I've come a long way for the part. And I'm like, that's Reverend Jim. Yes. It It was just amazing that it hit me when he has that certain sound in his voice. I thought he was great in that. I've always loved Christopher Lloyd as Krug. I, all I can hear is Doc Brown now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's really surprising. I've, yeah, that's very surprising. That one, uh, wow. And it's you know, missing. obviously it's it's in third place, so it's not like it's leading the yeah. pack for me. True. But if it's on, I don't. I typically don't watch it. So you because don't think the, the, the d- movies on either side are better? Oh, def- definitely. I will say that, but I would think you know the the one of the most one of the most emotional scenes in Star Trek history is the destruction of the Enterprise. I did cry when I saw that in yeah. theaters, and be after that scene, you get twenty minutes of trying to reinfuse Spock's contra into his head. Yeah, that's good, and point. it's not exactly thrilling. Right. Okay. Pacing wise, it's not my favorite. I'll give you that much for the end, but I didn't think it was slow at the beginning or in the middle. I thought it was done pretty well with the whole, you know, breaking McCoy out, stealing the Enterprise, the Grissom. Uh, that's, a, that's interesting. I thought the Grissom was one of the worst parts. So you mean to tell me that this Federation science vessel kicking around the Mutara sector doesn't have any shields up? <laughs> nah. Maybe they did, and they stole it from Jordy's visor and took it out with one shot. Wow. Give yeah. me your next pick. well my next pick is probably at the top of my list but probably not for the reason that people would say that it is and that is star trek 5 the final frontier so that's your number one i would say that is my number one but it is not due to shatner's directorial debut i didn't think he did that bad a job directing based on what he was given that's where it is problem but he 
fundamentally co-created the story. Then he can, then he can share some of the blame for that. But the directing was not the problem in this movie. The story was the problem. The special effects were the problem. The sets were the problem. Spock having a half brother that we never heard about is the problem. God at the center of the universe is a problem. There's just so many problems. The rock monster that we never even got to see until the special director's cut was a problem. And even then. Yeah. Uh, I just, the whole idea of Spock having this half brother that we've never known about and all the time in the Star Trek universe and the way it came about and what he's doing and how he's able to bring people to his way and follow him so that he can get to the center of the galaxy. I just don't like it. We've talked about it several times. The idea that Scotty is made to be a buffoon in this movie. Yes. It's just awful. And I got to give credit to the actors for putting up with the crap that they had to put up with for what their characters were made to look like for this movie. Even Spock and Kirk for that matter. I get on some level what they were trying to do in the wake of the success of Star Trek for the voyage home. The studio I'm sure wanted something that was a little lighter and not as heavy as Star Trek two and three. Mm-hmm. And I think that on some levels, Star Trek V kind of delivers a little bit of that. The campfire scene, which so many people love, which I detest. I don't but like it. I, uh, the whole row, row, row your boat thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fine. There are some one-liners. There are some, some levity. But all in all, I, 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 it doesn't rank as the worst for me. Okay. Do you have more you want to say about Star Trek V before yeah, I continue? I will say that – and we've talked about this just a few weeks ago when we talked about the um, Star Trek The Ultimate Voyage. The music is something that is very good. And the, the opening scene in Star Trek V when Kirk is climbing, uh, I believe it's Yosemite, is very, very nice. It's, it's, a, it's a great score. But then it's right then. The whole – the Spock coming up on the boots and him falling and then ch- – it just it, – it looks fake to death. It just is – something that bothers me in that movie. It's not a believable Star Trek film to me. Well, and the Klingons are used as comic relief as are Chekhov and Sulu. And they look horrible. Uh, they look... <laughs> we're going to do a special episode on Klingons one of these days, I swear. <laughs> and we're going to talk about why I hate how Klingons are depicted mm-hmm. until we get to the J.J. movies. Okay. Because I think that that the, they actually came closest to getting really badass yeah. in the JJ movies yep. and all of the Star Trek films and the next generation and after failed the Klingons, but that's another topic for another time. Okay. What's your I, big one? I, uh, well, my big one is not Star Trek five, the final frontier. And I'll, um, I'll, oh, I'll iterate right. why before I announce my, what I think is the worst film of all time. Oh, uh, yes, yes. I think that Star Trek V had a mission and did what it set out to do. It was there to be a little lighter. It was there to tell a story about, you know, pain and human torment and God getting a starship for some reason. But, you know, there was something to be learned in Cybok in sharing your pain and getting strength from it. And I think that at the heart of that, that's a very kind of core Star Trek ideal on some extent, that sort of examination of humanity. Granted, there are a slew of other things that don't work in this movie, but I think it came closer to the goal than the movie that I think is the worst. And it's one you've already talked about, which is Star Trek Generations. I think it is the absolute worst Star Trek movie of all time. If it's on, I will not watch it. Wow. And... You know, we talked about how the story drags in Generations. The first time I saw Generations in the theater, I fell asleep in the scene where Picard and Deanna are talking uh, about uh, Robert and Renee dying in the fire. I fell asleep. You know, I... And may I say, two more wasted deaths. You talked about Mm -hmm. David Marcus. That was a complete waste, two wasted deaths right there. Absolutely. But... You know, Generations is supposed to be a movie that spans generations and ushers in a new era of Star Trek, and it fails miserably Mm -hmm. on every level. You know, you brought up the the death of Kirk earlier. Um, How he died wasn't just a travesty to the franchise. It was an embarrassment in writing. Yes. And they reshot it. That was the new way he died. (laughs) That's right. So the first way he gets shot in the back... (laughs) 
the second it, way, he goes out when a, when he the bridge he's on falls off right. a cliff. And people now make memes of that. Yeah. Well, even Shatner <laughs> jokes about it, saying, you know, yeah. for years it was Captain on the Bridge, and now it's Bridge on the Captain. Right. You know, I I think that it, it fails as a Next Generation movie. It fails as a handing off of the torch from TOS. It's very clunky and haphazard in the way it does it. It tells a story that is not at all interesting or good. I'm sorry. That whole thing with the Nexus ribbon is terrible storytelling. Right. The whole Picard family at Christmas well, oh, is is this I a bad is this a bad Hallmark Channel special? <laughs> My God! Yeah, there you know between that and the inexplicable uniform changes and how the Enterprise all of a sudden looks different from the end of the series to the movie. You know, extra stations on the bridge and how the uh, the command chair is now on a different platform that's raised and all kinds of things and how lame. How lame is the, don't tell me, Tuesday? How old did that get over and over and over at the beginning? So I'm sitting in the theater in 1994 in November when Star Trek Generations premieres its opening night. It's the former Lakes Region Cinemas in Guilford, New Hampshire, which no longer is there. I think there's a Home Depot or something on the site now. And I'm the, the, the theater is packed. I'm with a bunch of people. And we get to the scene on the Enterprise B, and somebody in a quiet theater shouts, Hey, look, it's Cameron from Ferris Bueller! <laughs> and the entire audience erupts in laughter. And after that, there was just no saving that yeah. scene. Yeah. Now, Alan Ruck is, is a great actor. Yes. He does an amazing job. But it was really the first time anybody had seen him in anything widely distributed since Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, after that, he was in Spin City. With Michael J. Fox, but already people were taken out of it because of the casting. And I'll tell you what, the character of Captain Harriman left a lot to be desired. He was made to kind of look like he had no idea what he was doing, Mm -hmm. and that actually spun off. There was a very, very well done uh, novel. You know, I like to read the Star Trek novels that took place on the Enterprise B, and Harriman was a buffoon in the book, too. Starfleet is supposed to be the best and brightest. And, you know, we talked about this problem, you know, vis-a-vis Star Trek Renegades. And John Harriman and the crew of the Enterprise doesn't look so good in this movie. No, not at all. You know, the casting of Walter Koenig and Jimmy Dewan in this movie, um, clearly replacing spots that were meant for Bones and Spock. Right. Is terrible because they didn't even bother to rewrite the lines. Why is Chekhov care who gets turned into nurses? The guy's a navigator. You know, right? It's um, it is it is a poorly constructed and poorly written movie. It is a terrible start to the next generation feature films. It is a horrible end for Captain Kirk, and ultimately, I I think that it is far less enjoyable than Star Trek V: The Final Frontier. You know what's surprising to me is now that I think about it, you you said it was a horrible start to the next generation of movies. Now that I think about it, only First Contact was really any good. I'm yeah. surprised neither of us picked Insurrection. I don't think Insurrection is as bad as Generations. Because Insurrection, if it stood alone as a two-part TV episode, is actually not bad. Mm-hmm. And the special effects are brilliant. That that briar patch is absolutely gorgeous. See, I'm not a big fan of the special effects in that movie. Um, they have the joystick on the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, didn't another house do those effects because ILM was too busy or something? I don't recall. I'd have to look at the at IMDb or something. I get so confused with who did what these days. Right. It's my old age kicking in. But yeah, Insurrection, you know, if I compare it to Nemesis or Generations, it's still better. Yes, I would agree with that. Yep. But I think that Generations is the biggest turd in the Star Trek pool. I'm wow. sorry. I guess I know who's going in Thunderdome for you. Well, that's it. It's time for the Thunderdome, Dad. <laughs> Two movies enter. <laughs> One movie leaves. <laughs> Will it be Dan's selection of uh-huh. Star Trek V, The Final <laughs> Frontier? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Or will it be Bill's selection of Star Trek Generations? No. No, no, no. no it, it will. It will. <laughs> So, so Dan, we pit these two movies head to head. Why Star Trek: The Final Frontier and not Generations? Um, because I said so. Will that work? No. 
Okay. You said something a little while ago, which actually is one of the biggest reasons, I think. You said that the idea of Cybok and dealing with pain to move forward is a great Star Trek story, but it is done in such a way that makes it so horrible to watch. That's one of the main reasons. It's just not – I just can't – I cannot accept this whole idea of who this person is and his relation to people in the Star Trek universe that we have never had any idea about in any way, shape, or form having such a huge impact on what goes on with Kirk and his crew and to go to the center of the galaxy to find – uh, the Admiral from Best of Both Worlds being God uh, <laughs> and needing a starship. Again, there's another good one. Why, what Kirk says it, it's a very valid point. What does God need with a starship? That type of thing. The well, whole storyline is horrible. What's because he's not God? Well, I know that, dum-dum. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just didn't like it. Um, it, it, is a, it is a slap in the face to the people that had at that time been giving a Star Trek since the late 60s. Uh, Jimmy Doohan, you know, knocking, you know, knocking himself out on a beam in the middle of the corridor that why is it even there in the first place? Uhura is kind of turned into like this uh, communications hooker who wants to just hook up with him all the time and is rubbing her nails over his face and awful, awful, awful acting. Um, She gets to dance in the pale moonlight. You know, they're throwing Batman references in there left and right. I, I just, it's just, it's just terrible. I didn't care for it at all. So let me ask you this: Let's assume for a moment that it's another Vulcan and not Cybok. Does that make that part of the story any easier for you to take? I don't think so. Um, maybe a little, but not enough to really change my mind. I mean, how many renegade emotional Vulcans have we seen over the course of time? In the at show? that point, not very many. Yeah, so it's kind of a, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No, but it is at least a challenging departure for what we know from Vulcans. I mean, you know, he's challenging the whole mythos of logic being the path to enlightenment. And I get that part of it. Yeah, they could have they could have chosen somebody Spock knew growing up. They could have chosen anybody. You know, it could have been just average Vulcan guy that Spock doesn't know. But the fact they made him you know, a half brother to sort of give him a stake in the game and to create some conflict between him and you know, Spock and Kirk. I, I suppose it's not terrible, even if it's, it makes absolutely no sense. You're just trying to make sure your movie wins. <laughs> <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but I don't think it would have added or it would have made the story any more, uh, any better for me. Because then you would have been like, who the hell is this guy? And what, is, what does this have to do with anything that we're used to seeing? Well, but I agree with what you're saying. They threw him in as Spock's half-brother. So it would be a, oh, my God, there's going to be conflict here between him. And, and there's going to be a backstory that we're going to be able to see. And some guy who tries to sound like Mark Lennard to say, you know, so human when Spock is born, this, that, and the other thing. I don't, I don't know, man. I just don't, I didn't like it. I, and I'll tell you one thing, one thing that I hate with this movie, absolutely hate. And it's tough to watch because it's actually one of those things that can pull at your uh, heartstrings is the McCoy's dad death scene. It's the I best scene in the whole movie. I know, but I hate watching it. It's so, it's so miserable to watch to, and just it's because it, it it's, can probably happen in real life. It's very sad. I just don't like that scene because it's so powerful, probably. Well, I, I think that's it because it is such an examination of who McCoy is. Yeah. You know, I'm at his core, it's like you know the guilt that he's carried around with him ever since. And I think it's it's brilliant on DeForest Kelly's part. And actually, it's, it's actually a very well-crafted and well-written scene. You know, to me... The whole idea of somebody taking over the Enterprise was something we saw so many times in the original series that it didn't really bother me in Star Trek V. Hmm. You know, how many times did we get aliens that commandeered the ship? True. You know what really did bother me in Star Trek V, though? What's that? That ship steering wheel in the front. (laughs) (laughs) In the observation lounge? Yes. (laughs) That was kind of (laughs) lame. There's a lot of lameness in that movie. Uh, second start of the right, straight on till morning. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I'm sure you're just going to just completely 
have everybody just like, oh, Bill's right. Go ahead. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry you don't have enough faith in your own choice that you're just laying <laughs> down. <laughs> well, you know, and some of those were actually some of the reasons, Dan, why I didn't select Star Trek V as the worst ever. Because I think in there there's some redemption for some of the characters. And there's some actually good storytelling in pieces. Not not a lot of pieces. <laughs> other than – let me ask you though, yeah. uh, just because I'm curious. Other than the McCoy's father scene, what ones would you think of? Because I don't think of any other ones that I can – that come top of my mind. I think that uh, – I thought that the Spock flashback was actually not bad. I thought it was done very interestingly and it showed, you know, the, the problems between Spock and Sarek going all the way back. Hmm. You know, you know where the Genesis was from. Okay. And that's because, you know, Sarek essentially, you know, was like, eh, whatever, meh. I also found it interesting that even on Vulcan at the time, it, it appeared that um, Spock was born in a cave. What is it with caves in Star Trek? Man? I don't know. I don't know, man. Another another one, another mark on the I don't get it part for Star Trek V. But the other thing, too, that I think that Star Trek V stayed true to was who Kirk is. In that same scene, he's like, you know, I I don't need to be reminded of my pain. I need my pain. You think I need to be reminded when I turn left instead of when I should have turned right? Paraphrasing, mm-hmm. of course. And I think that that's exactly who Kirk is. He's never stopped to feel anything. Why would he start now? And I think that that movie is truer to the Kirk character than generations ever could be. Well, yeah, that's well, I, I will agree to that because the Kirk character in generations is just not Kirk. No, he's really not. And I would argue that most of the characters in that movie are not fully realized characters for some extent. It's almost like I have no idea how they got from the end of the series, Star Trek, the next generation to this movie and created something that is so different. Yeah. Especially right. since they started shooting it right after they wrapped the series. Didn't they actually, weren't they actually filming all good things at the same time they started Nemesis? Or uh, am I thinking something different? You mean Generations? A generation, excuse me, yeah. Uh, you're probably right, but, yeah. you know, there were some things they couldn't do right away. Right. Like, rebuild the bridge. Yeah. What the? <laughs> really? <laughs> so, Was this also the first time that the race of Guinan and Dr. Sworn was actually named. I think it is. No, I I thought for some reason they were named in the series. Maybe I'm wrong. I have to go back and look now. Yeah. Okay. Um, But it's the first time we've seen Elorians other than Guinan. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, the whole idea, you mean to tell me that nobody would have noticed that Dr. Soren was exploding planets before this? Really? You mean to tell me nobody recognized this giant ribbon of energy moving through space before or since? No, because you know why? Because the Dora sisters were helping him. (laughs) That's why. Well, because they're using trilithium, don't you? Yes. Oh, God. (laughs) uh, There are problems in Star Trek V for sure, but I think that there are so many more problems with Generations it's almost unrecognizable as Star Trek The Next Generation. Whereas I recognize Star Trek V The Final Frontier as being a TOS film. Okay. Hmm. What are uh, what do you like about Generations? Do you hear crickets? Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> um, I'd have to really... I The crash landing of the saucer section... Was kind of cool because we'd never seen something on that grand land, a, a grand as scene. But that's 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 after the travesty of a torpedo taking it out because of Jordy's visor, basically. Like well, you said, and Lavar gets to roll under another door, which is always good, right? <laughs> spot the spot thing. Oh my god, that cat! <laughs> oh. I thought that the the effect shot. Of the planet blowing up and everybody on the hood, I'm mean, not the hood, the uh, the hull of the Enterprise dying. That was amazing. <laughs> yes, you know, that is the true. planet just exploding. Yep. I'm like, hey, yep. those people are all dead. <laughs> For now. Wait, that's not good. <laughs> uh, I do agree with you 100% on the Nexus ribbon. That I... Everything that happens in the Nexus ribbon sucks. 
Yeah, it does. Whether it's Butler. Yeah, whether it's Picard's family Christmas or Picard and Kirk meeting up. Yeah. You know, that whole scene where Picard convinces Kirk to come back with him. On the horses? Is abominable. Yeah. You know that that was only thrown in there because Shatner's such a big horse guy. Oh, I know. Ah. Absolutely was. Yeah. But I suppose the odds are against us and the situation is grim. Uh, Sounds like fun. Yes, sounds like fun. <laughs> I and then they ride off into the, the sunset. What is that? Yeah, is that like the Nexus exit? I, it's got to be. Oh, that's great. And, and the whole you know Shatner is or sorry, Kirk is making breakfast for Antonia. Who the hell is Antonia? Hell is Antonia. When did this happen? Yeah. When did Sulu get a daughter? <laughs> I mean, she's that's, ex- that's explained in a book though. She's old enough to be the helmsman of the Enterprise B. Where the hell did? Where the hell did yeah. she come from? Yeah. She's good, though. She's one of the only members of the Enterprise B crew that I actually liked. I That's because you didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> there was one other thing I was going to bring up about Generations, and I can't remember what it is now. Oh, what the one thing that I did like about it is the whole the, – the, the, it's in Vegas, um, the rock formations that they filmed, the scene where Kirk died. The Valley that's, of Fire. That's awesome. That is really remarkable. The ladders up those rocks, that was pretty cool. I did, it, I did like that. But then, they, then he buried him up there. That was dumb. <laughs> Big pile of rocks. Big, <laughs> and how the – okay. I know that we saw Patrick Stewart and Captain Picard had some pretty big guns and had some pythons climbing the – the, uh, in the engine room in first contact, but you mean to tell me that he's going to carry William Shatner from Star Trek Generations, Captain Kirk, <laughs> up to the top of those rocks and then bury him? I just, no. I just want to point out you're making my case for me, buddy. <laughs> I am winning the Thunderdome. <laughs> I may have already, you know, whatever that word is. <laughs> Conceded? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well... <laughs> one thing is for sure, neither of these films are ones that we want to rewatch anytime soon. But I have to say, I'm going to have to rewatch Star Trek V pretty soon. You know why? Why? I was telling my beautiful bride about what we were doing in this episode, and she mentioned that she's never seen Star Trek V. So now I'm going to have to watch it with her. Well, you're going to have to watch it because someday we'll, if our <laughs> schedules ever sync up, we'll be on Synthaholics. Oh, yeah, that's Let's right. Talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Come on, Dunk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, well, Dan, I think the only thing we've resolved here is that um, there are many, many, many fine hours of Star Trek, and these ones are not among them. <laughs> that, was, that was a very succinct way to put it, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, Dan, other folks at home may have some thoughts as to our selections or our reasoning, or they may even disagree with us entirely. Mm-hmm. How might they deliver that feedback to us, sir? Send us the feedback. I actually am very interested to see if people think that we're off our rocker or not. Well, you are. More than we think we are. But anyway, on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype, you can uh, shoot us a message. Our handle is TrekGeeks. You can also send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com. Or you can call us at 508-784-1701 and leave us a voicemail. Uh, You can also go to speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks and leave us a message as well. Plus, now you can join the official Trek Geeks Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. To join, just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer, and we will let you right in. But please remember that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future Trek Geeks podcast. Fantastic. (laughs) Yep. You bet. You bet. And with that, (laughs) we also have to thank our friends in the band Five Year Mission, your house band. For the official Star Trek convention in Las Vegas this coming summer, a mere wow, it's less than four months away at this point. Wow. Oh, it's amazing. Wow. They they are gonna play for five straight days. In the same clothes. In the same clothes. <laughs> we may take up a collection to buy them a case of Febreze or tequila. I'm not sure which. <laughs> they can let us know. How about tequila flavored Febreze? <laughs> oh, That's better than Febreze flavored tequila any day. <laughs> <laughs> but no, please, uh, please head on out to fiveyearmission.net and check out all of their music because seriously, you're going to love it. They are every single ounce of music you hear here on our show every single week from the opening theme through all the bumper music. 
and um, and we can't thank them enough. We love those guys, and we're excited to see them in just a few months. And please, fiveyearmission.net, check out their music. They are farktastic. Wow. You've been waiting yeah. like 30 seconds to get that I have been. I've been like, hurry up, hurry up. Wow. Okay. Uh, we want to remind you that for more great Star Trek discussion, please check out our friends at the Tricorder Transmissions. You know, Dan, they have six different shows. I, I, we can barely get one out in a, a week. How do they do that? I know, but they cover everything from, you know, conventions to the original series to right now yeah. they're going through the animated yeah. series. Yeah. They have the Atavicron series, which is amazing. I, 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 can, I can barely take you for one show. Don't they also have a five-year mission podcast where they talk about the music? Yeah, what are little songs made of? That's Good right. Good God, man. They, uh, they're killing it over there, and we really hope you'll check them out. They're online at tricorder, I'm sorry, thetricordertransmissions.com. Um, and also, for the latest news on all things Star Trek, whether it's, you know, Dan or Star Trek Beyond <laughs> or the new series, please visit our friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 55 of Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. We hope you all live long and prosper. This is Balok, commander of the flagship Viserys of the First Federation. Your podcast, obviously the product of a primitive and savage civilization, has demonstrated your intention to journey to Las Vegas in the summer of 2016 for STLV-50. We are now considering the disposition of your podcast and the lives of your hosts. After careful consideration, we will allow Dan and Bill four time periods, known as months, to prepare for their journey to Las Vegas. Once they arrive, they must gather with friends at the Masquerade Bar, and in addition to Tranya, must partake in an earth drink known as the Pina Colada, or any other earth drink with the ingredient known as coconut. Remember, you have four months left. Bing bong. Hi. So, I'm concerned. Why? So, we have four months until the Viserius kills us? We're not yeah. going to see STLV. Uh, okay. Hey, I can only tell you what he said. And I can't imbibe any coconut at STLV if I'm dead. Do you want me to redo it? <laughs> <laughs> that was you? <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> well, no, I said, uh, no, no, no. I said something along the lines of that it was... Uh, we'll give you four periods. Known as months. Known as months. Prepare. Right. And then when we get there, we have to drink the coconut. But he didn't say, if you don't, then we'll kill you. No, he says, you're going to get the STLV and I'm going to kill you. He doesn't say that. Yeah. No, he doesn't. Yeah. No. No, he really does. You don't even really listen to anything I do. What? Chicken butt? Who's a hey? Okay, so I got a story for you. Oh, boy. We're outside this morning having breakfast. Uh, I'm sorry, having coffee. We didn't have breakfast outside. Liar. I just got an internet is unstable message. I got that, too. Okay. Your face um, is unstable. Okay, point one goes to Bill. Thank you very much. So we're having coffee, and we yeah, that's right. We had bagels, honey. Um, and we're outside on the on the patio. And we're talking, and I'm about to talk about how Peter Mayhew had just um, posted some pictures of the original script in which Kenobi was supposed to live. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting that sentence, and I look up, and circling the house. Sir Alec Guinness. A bald eagle. How is this at all related? It's What do you mean? Related to what? The story was about the eagle. Obi-Wan Kenobi. No, I was going to talk about how he was supposed to live, but I only got halfway through the sentence when I noticed an eagle. It doesn't always have to connect, you know, Bill. Squirrel. <laughs> but it was a bald. I think I've seen a bald eagle like a, in the wild once before, and it was in Nashua. It's because it was trying to flee <laughs> from all the heroin. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes.
Sue is sporting a Star Trek t-shirt tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm wearing uh, a Red wow. Sox one. I'm not either. I've got no no design on. Wow. And no pants. Wow. What? <laughs> what? I, I figured I might as well tell you. It's been like that for 54 episodes. I have no idea what to do with that information. <laughs> I'm not sure why it's... What are you drinking tonight? Uh... Diet ginger ale because my stomach's upset from the anti-inflammatory I'm on. Oh, what's he get that for? Um, my foot. Uh, some tendonitis oh, oh, yeah. uh, running by my cuboid bone in my foot. Ouch. Just the word. That sounds like a bad word. That what? sounds like a painful word. Cuboid. It sounds like an 80s video game. Yeah. Like Cubert. Cousin of Cubert. Metroid put together. That would be a, a kick-ass game. Yeah. I liked Qbert. I always got I always got dizzy playing it because the cube would start like going like, and then I'd fall off. But what what sound effect would that make? Because this is an audio podcast. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> really? That's that's what I get. Of I could have done that. Sorry. Beer can chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> 